0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh fun fun show today uh with matt green fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green to talk all things college football at this time every single week uh so i appreciate matt stopping on by and i hope you guys enjoyed our college football conversation we talked about uga getting another big recruit and uh all of their talent that they've got walking in the door uh coming in this fall we talked about the buckeyes getting carnell tape and i'm just tape but it's ennis it's rogers it's just a lot of dudes um brian hartline and uh what the folks are doing in columbus is pretty pretty remarkable so we talked about uh their track record and what they've done there uh year two for hypo piece that i wrote about uh tennessee that you can go check out at sports yeah go check that out today it's uh available there sports renaissance man that's me.substack.com type your email and make sure you get all my written content there but i wrote about tennessee and uh, the football program and where they're headed in year two and why a bigger jump might be more realistic than just the simple and easy linear eight win route or a step back uh, which is what no fan wants uh, here on Rocky Top so we we'll talked about that with uh, UT we talked about um, Owens choosing Louisville we talked about uh, which was a huge gift for Scott Satterfield and, and his program we talked about um which of the three party crashers by jd piquel over at on three makes the most sense to us um and why and then we wrapped up main event here on today's program with which team is most likely uh to be uh this year's like six and zero start versus uh how they finish where they rise up the ranks number two and then by the end of the year they're like six and six seven and five and it was a distant memory that uh, 2007 south florida team for example so hat tip to andy staples and the good folks over there at the athletic a good mailbag question from a reader i think uh, and uh, that asked andy about that and we were like huh let's go, let's figure that out let's see who makes the most sense to us because i think uh purdue is an obvious one but virginia popping up here we got uh multiple teams like michigan state my number one favorite maybe kansas state but i think that will actually keep up but i think michigan state's probably the closest power five answer here when you look at their schedule but uh matt and i we talk about all that just a lot of fun all things college football with matt here on a thursday edition of the chase most podcast here on the blue wire pod network and uh yeah we'll be able to wherever you get your pods apple podcast spotify wherever make sure you're subscribed so you get all of my podcasts right there uh, on your podcast preference um player of choice that sort of thing check us out on youtube oh yeah all kinds of great youtube content over at the youtube page youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe check out all of our videos on that front uh, really really doing some stuff over on the youtube page then of course mailbag stuff questions for me chase thomas podcast at gmail.com all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast <laughs> um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it All right, welcome back. Full ride here on the Chaseless Podcast, taping this late on a Wednesday. Matt Green is here, as he always is, at this very time. Georgia helmet behind him, Cubs, Dogs, Braves, all behind him. No spoilers on tonight's game, it's taping. So, Matt, I'm not certain if you know what's going on with Braves Giants tonight, but keep that to yourself. I do,
1: so I'm glad you you said not to spoil anything.
0: Yeah, uh... because I don't watch things live, because when you're podding and you do what I do every day, man... It's not every day. It's really hard to watch stuff live. It's just hard. Um, but Matt Green, how are you doing, sir? After uh, the RSVP no on the engagement party. Oh for
1: man, <laughs> putting me on blast like that. Um, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. You know, we wanted mm. to wanted to be there, but scheduling conflict. You know, uh, it is what it is. But hopefully, we can uh, we can get together while you're in town in, in the in the great Peach State.
0: Well, it's more of a letdown for my father, who's a big fan of yours, and a uh, oh, big fan of the pod, man. so just not being able to put a face to the name is, it's, it's a brutal blow.
1: Oh, is he not watching the YouTube?
0: He's only listening to the podcast? Look, it took him a while just to get to the the, the podcast. I, I don't think I can, ex- like, hey, baby steps, man. It took a couple of years to get him <laughs> situated with Apple Podcasts and everything, so uh maybe maybe in due time uh he'll i be hate a YouTuber. to uh,
1: to disappoint uh is it bob
0: it is bob there you go see you know you're back in. yeah there you go uh, but it should be a fun time it should be a fun time and uh yeah we'll probably see each other uh that weekend too so no sweat man uh we have some college football to talk about this evening Matt green we have uh, a lot of stuff that i want to kick around with you On uh, the podcast tonight, but I wanted to start with your bread and butter the countdown until college football returns. I am ready to get out of these numbers because I've realized when we do these each week, not a lot of great high numbers. It's not like the NFL where there's a lot more of these high number stars college it seems like everybody's a low number everybody who's great is a low number so i feel like it's just more difficult to do these high Well, you ones, bite right?
1: your tongue sir and dominican sue and jonathan ogden are two all-time greats. right so i don't want to hear any of that baloney
0: well I'm but, it's um, like one you're you're going across like you have 130 programs to choose from and it's it's tough when you no, get that's past true. Them.
1: Definitely, when you're getting those lineman numbers, they're not mm. not as sexy. With all with all due respect to the uh, to the big uglies out there. Mm. Um, but yes, we are 72 days away from college football season, sir. And that got me thinking: Who is the greatest 72 of all time? First one that popped in my head, and I couldn't really beat it. That's basically mm. what I do. I kind of first one I think of, and I'm like, Can I think of anyone better than that? Mm. And I couldn't. And it was Glenn Dorsey from LSU. Mm. Full disclosure, you know, put myself on blast here. I thought the Falcons should have taken Glenn Dorsey second overall back in 2008. Oh, wow. The Falcons made the right decision and got their franchise quarterback in Matt Ryan because Glenn Dorsey didn't have a that decorated of a pro career. But mm. this man anchored the LSU, 2007 LSU defense, uh, won the national championship, won the Nagurski the Outland Lombardi Award. Consensus All-American, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Finished ninth in the Heisman Trophy voting that year. Seven sacks for an interior lineman. Dude just wreaked havoc. But um, it got me thinking, is that the worst national championship team of all time? 2007 LSU, the only two-loss national champion?
0: No, there are some worse ones.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think it's got to be. For one, that Ohio State team wasn't even good, honestly. The Ohio mm-hmm. State, like, they were just, like, it was Todd Beckman at quarterback. It was, like, a rebuilding year, but I think they, I think they, one loss, the one loss they had, I want to say, was that Juice Williams mm-hmm. uh, when Illinois upset them that year. I want to say that's the same year, but I don't to okay. feel like Ohio State was good that year. Like, they lost so much from the 06 team, and they were just there because there, there was no one really, like, they were kind of just the last one standing. Mm-hmm. But, like, this team, Jacob Hester, let him in rushing. Like, Matt Flynn was just so average. Like, it's just, just not a two two losses, too. Like, obviously, they were both in overtime because Les Miles had that undefeated in regulation quote. But they lost to Kentucky and, uh, and Arkansas that year, both in overtime. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this has got to be probably the worst national championship team of all time. It was a great college football season 07 and no no one's taken the ring from him. It still mm. counts just the same.
0: I was looking through it and I I think it's far more likely than I anticipated when I was going through this. I'm like I I could see it definitely in our lifetime I think.
1: I think right? so. Like I can't I, really I have a take be. on
0: Colorado, Georgia Tech in 1990. Like I just it's hard to have a take there.
1: I'm also still bitter about the 2007 season, how it all unfolded, because I think if Georgia were able to get a matchup in Atlanta with this 2007 LSU team, I think Mm -hmm. those were the two best teams in the SEC, but instead Tennessee was there the last time Tennessee was in the SEC championship. And Mm -hmm. I was just – the rankings were a little suspect that year. Mm -hmm. Like LSU went from like seven to two – for beating like the 20th ranked team in the country on like a pick six in the fourth quarter. It was like no other time in the season is number seven beating number two going to jump them five spots unless unless you just need this to happen <laughs> to get the right team in the, in the national championship. But yeah, what can I say? I'm still I'm still salty that no Sean and Stafford's team didn't get a shot. So I'm just a hater over here. Oh, uh, well. I'll, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, like, it was actually pretty nice because I was going through and it's like, it's kind of weird that Tennessee just beat Georgia back to back when in 15 and 16. It's just one of those things I was going through Tennessee stuff for a piece I wrote today and just go, it's just wild, like 14, 19, Tennessee, Bama, and a week before they beat Georgia, like in what other, like, it just feels like a completely different universe where that's a possibility in back to back weeks. But it's also a good reminder, folks, and uh, really not folks, just administrators when they're doing future stuff and they're deciding conferences and rivalries and all that kind of stuff this stuff changes we think it's forever but it's not like <laughs> it's just uh whoever follows kirby or whoever follows saban like who knows how this all goes and who falls back down to earth and who keeps this thing humming because i mean i would just take one tennessee victory over georgia over uh, a five-year span and uh, butch jones did it back to back just kind of wild how that works
1: yeah, very true. It's uh, it's not that long ago. Tennessee fans don't... Um, Butch Jones almost beat
0: Georgia week. and Alabama back-to-back weeks. Like, that's insane. I mean, he
1: did beat Georgia and Florida in the same season. That's and correct. still couldn't win the SEC East. So, it's just... It's insane. But, yeah. you know, Butch Jones... I, I have a soft spot for Butch Jones. I feel like people hate on Butch Jones too hard.
0: I would agree with that. I think Butch was solid. It, the it's pressure that... got to him. Well, I... it That... But I also remember um like so when you go through this and something that in my like you can read the piece at sportsrenessanceman.subsec.com um but outlining kind of like where tennessee fans are at where they're like everyone you talk to anybody it's like eight and four where it's like we get the same seven we sweep the east outside of georgia then you flip the pick game that you should have won last year then you're you got the eight wins there you go progress the problem with that is when you go through a lot of these year two coaches all around the SEC now and just where college football is with the portal and immediate eligibility, that kind of climb that Butch had where he goes from five to seven to nine to nine and then back down to four because he couldn't get over the hump. And like you said, with the pressure where it's like he had that slow build where it's mm-hmm. just here. We're, this is where we're at because like the dually experience this is with well, a the little bit of a mess there. Brick, brick. Rick. especially because and, I think
1: the whatever the eight win season was like a really good team mm-hmm. but couldn't close out games kind of thing like lost a lot of close games in the fourth quarter they blew those leads I think is yeah. what it was so it was like it was like a solid linear progression
0: but you don't see that very often so like when I was going through it I was like this is kind of wild like Dan Mullen uh year one at Mississippi State five wins year two nine like he goes from five to nine you go Kiffin five wins in year one at Ole Miss ten the following year you go to Sam Pittman five to nine yeah you, you go to just uh, like every coach that I was pulling I was like man like no one you're seeing anymore like you can just get that three to four year where it's like we'll wait it's like no you actually should be able to flip this in two years the first year should always be like kind of a mulligan year where you're figuring stuff out but we know pretty early on if you're gonna stick long term after year two so it's like if this thing's humming. Like I don't think it's just going to be that simple linear progression where it's eight wins and Tennessee's there. I think two things end up happening. One of two things. Either they explode more than what people are thinking and Hendon Hooker is the best quarterback in the East. The offense is even better because this is something else that I found. Outside of Tennessee, no other program and no other Power 5 program had an offense that was top 10 in scoring and did not win 10 games last year. Tennessee was the only top ten offense to not win ten games. Mm. If they have a top ten offense again, the idea that they don't join that group in back to back years with how much of an emphasis scoring is in this sport now, it just seems unlikely. But you are scared, and I get being scared of like just saying Tennessee is going to win ten games. It's a lot of that's a lot of games, and that requires like splitting Alabama, Georgia. That requires beating Florida. That requires beating Pitt. But I think two things either happen like either they make that bigger jump than you're expecting and they real the offense is top three like Dylan Gabriel numbers uh, in 2017 for Hinden hooker and it's like he's in the Heisman conversation or he gets banged up the left tackle spots a disaster the secondary takes a step back and they go six and six I and take a step back I don't think this is just like a little bit of a linear progression here either the hype train's moving and they're going to be even more high powered on this offense. And if they have a top three, top five offense, they're winning most of their games next year. Like it's just going to be too hard to keep them down for 45 points a game. And if the defense is able to just get a little bit better on uh, closing out the Matt Corral, Samory Jones and getting off the field, that flips this team from an eight win team to a nine, 10 win team. So I think that's something that people have to be aware of um, is that, this thing actually changes pretty quick. And a lot of programs, when you have the resources that a lot of these SEC teams do, will know pretty early on if you can you can flip this thing. And it's not just like a five win, seven win, nine win, 10 win thing that we saw with Butch in the uh, mid 2015s.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Hypo had the perfect first year
0: because there is
1: a, a room to, to get better and you don't have to win 10 games, you don't have to win the East. That's not the only Mm. way to get better. It's like, you look at someone like Dan Mullen, like he was, he almost was a victim of his own success. I would agree with that. To, to come in and just be 10 and three right off the bat, 11 and two year two. It's like, okay, so we should be winning the national championship this year. Right. And they did win the East that fall. You're talking about Florida, not at Mississippi. Yes. At Florida. And they did win the East in the year three, even though they finished eight and four. But then it just it fell off a cliff. So it was But like you saw first, that quick
0: first... jump where you're just like, whoa, this this is just this quick jump. And I'm sure Florida fans felt that at the time where it's like you're coming off McIlwain. You're just like, we're hoping for the best. We just want a little bit. And it's like, bam, top of the East. It's just it never goes like that, it seems like.
1: Well, And, and the first sign of, you know of a bad season the first yeah really the first bad season they had and he's gone right but obviously there's more going on with dan mullen off the field whatever his personality but i think that's what's going to happen is you're
0: going to find that out these coaches are not going to last long where it's just going to be if unless you have the staying power and you win a lot or it's like a situation where we're just happy to have you like at vanderbilt or mississippi state like the the programs that think that they can win a national title or be in the college ball playoff They'll be like, we have the money. We have the NIL resources. We have the recruiting thing where it's like, no, you got to jump quick. And if you don't, we'll find somebody else. Like, we're going to keep this thing moving. There's a lot of dollars at stake.
1: I think that's definitely true. Do you think uh, Heupel learned a lesson from Dan Mullen? (laughs) And that when's he going to start talking shit to Georgia?
0: I don't know if that's going to happen. He's a chill guy. Like, Heupel is not... I think that
1: was Dan Mullen's biggest thing. Was like, once he started talking shit to Georgia, trolling him with the the spring game attendance mm-hmm. or whatever it was like the fans were like okay you know i guess i guess we're there then we should mm-hmm. be expecting national championships our, our coach is talking shit to other coaches like we're ready to go to war with you man so maybe hypo would just you know kind of just don't mind me i'm just building the program brick by brick over here I don't but think Hypel's
0: yeah. wired like that. I think he's more... I think the biggest thing that I was worried about with Heupel that we've learned is not going to be the case was just that like you cannot just be an X's and O wizard like Mullen. You cannot just be smarter than everybody else in terms of offense and still win consistently at a high level. Like You still have to do the recruiting stuff. You still have to do the, S- the CEO stuff. And I think Heupel recognizes that. And he is prioritized recruiting. And he does the CEO For stuff. Sure. And he's friendlier. And I think... I think he does a lot. I think he's more of a CEO coach than I thought he would be, especially this early on, which is a pleasant surprise. Which is what you have to do. Like if you're gonna, yeah.
1: To be fair, I don't think Mullen was that guy either. I think he Mm -hmm. was like, "This is what Irvin Meyer and Steve Spurrier did. I guess I gotta, I gotta do their thing." It it seemed like he was never that guy at Mississippi State, uh, poking the bear kind of thing. So.
0: Well, I think he was a happy to be there type thing, where it's like florida you're supposed to win national titles and at mississippi state they're just like you got us the number one like we'll build a statue right here like right like uh what is it called will dave what is it called stadium uh something david davis stadium oh davis wade stadium that's what it is yeah um but yeah no that's that's a baseball school have you seen the dude and just how like it's better than some mlb ballparks like that is uh college baseball country the dude yeah, that's what they call it. The that's dude. what they
1: call the stadium.
0: Mm-hmm. Baseball stadium. Oh so, yeah.
1: no, I've seen the whole, the whole atmosphere and everything they got going on down there. Though it looks like it looks awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's their bread and butter, man. Southern Miss, you got uh, Old Miss. Who might? I think they're probably going to win it all in college baseball. Like they might go back to back. Mississippi State, Mi- Old Miss, and College World Series back to back years.
1: Who's left?
0: Uh, Oklahoma, A&M, uh, Old Miss, and Auburn. Well, I think Auburn just got eliminated today. How about A and M just got eliminated. And Arkansas, I think is left too.
1: I was like trying to follow along with it. I'm like, I don't even understand. I thought I knew how this tournament worked, but I guess I don't.
0: Well, I think uh, Auburn got eliminated today um, or last night. I don't know. I'd have to pull it back up. Um, I've n- since just Tennessee's elimination, I've uh, I've shifted my focus to the Braves in Major League Baseball.
1: I've uh, that'll happen.
0: It it, it was rough. Uh, it was rough. Leave the memories alone. Um Matt Green. let you
1: down. We're World Series champs, man. The whole the whole uh reputation, it's all gone now.
0: There you go. Um the dogs get a big commitment in AJ Harris this past week. Um Carnell Tate did not commit to the Tennessee Volunteers and we'll get to that in a second, but Um, what are the dogs getting in A.J. Harris, Matt? Is this what your most exciting get in this cycle? Um, Was this a surprise? What what do you mean?
1: It is a little bit of a surprise. I don't know if you saw that Hayes Fawcett, uh, the one who does all those edits Mm. for everybody, that tweeted out that he'd had a a Florida commitment uh, edit or whatever for A.J. Harris. They did it back in April. He was just like, Mm. you know, I've worked too hard on this. Had to put it out there. Sorry, Gator fans. So... Yeah, at one point, um, Florida was his leader. I think at one point, like maybe Ohio State or something. I I think he had another leader early on. But um, Mm -hmm. apparently he grew up a Georgia fan, five-star corner, prototype size, like that's 6'1", 180. And, I mean, he's supposed to be really versatile. That's one of the things Kirby Smart really um, emphasizes. He's supposed Mm -hmm. to be able to play some nickel, play some safety, just just a a five-star athlete and getting a getting a five-star out of Alabama. I mean, that's, that's huge. And I mean, you look at Georgia's track record with corners now since Kirby smart arrived, like three uh, basically three corners have gone in the first round of the last four drafts. Tyson Campbell was the the first Mm. pick of the second round in in 2021. But yeah, I mean, Kirby smart, Will Muschamp. I feel like those guys and and Fran Brown, he's hyped up so much as as a recruiter. Mm -hmm. Um, the new defensive backs Coach Georgia has. But for Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp, like, on that staff, like, I imagine, I don't know where else a defensive back would want to play. Like, those guys just, they they know how to play. They know how to coach DBs for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's they'll be fine. Um, it is interesting though. Georgia fans are gearing up for this. I saw a friend of the pod, Graham Coffee, talking about this of like what the narrative is going to be that Georgia has to squash going into the year. And it seems like the defense is the narrative that they're going to squash. It's like this drop that people are expecting from having so many guys drafted. Um, that is something. Like when you look at the depth chart going into this uh, this fall, do you feel pretty good about every spot, or do you still have some questions?
1: I mean, there's definitely a lot of questions. I just think when you have Kirby Smart as your head coach, you just tend to think, you know, the defense isn't going to be bad. Like mm. you, like from 2017 to 2018, like that was a huge drop-off in, in the defense. But by the end of the season, but that team had a more explosive offense, so they kind of compensated for it. But I think that team was like last in the SEC in sacks um, in 2018, just – Didn't really have much of a pass rush. That's the one thing I I would worry about the most for this Georgia team. Just because Adam Anderson, like, he was definitely the best pass rusher on Georgia's team last year. And after his suspension, the pass rush definitely lost something. You have Nolan Smith back and Robert Beal back from last year. But I don't know. Those guys just don't seem like necessarily... Like I mean, what Nolan Smith had like four or five sacks last year, I think. Like it's not a bad season, but that's not necessarily a difference maker as an edge rusher. So that's the one area, and in that area too, they they're bringing in a five star Marvin Jones Jr. Right, and mm. Michael Williams with all those defensive linemen they've lost. Like you're also bringing in a, a top ten overall player as a, a defensive lineman. So I just tend to to trust Kirby Smart that Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, that just with all the recruiting. With how Georgia recruits, basically. Like, I mean, I think half the starters are back. It's just all the big ones went in like the first or second round of the draft, right? So you're definitely losing. You, you don't have another Jordan Davis on this team, right? Like, I don't think anyone does. So you're, you're definitely going to lose something. But I think there's, I think it's definitely realistic to think that Georgia could still have a, a top ten defense nationally. I think that I think the offense is probably still still has the questions, just because no one. No one thinks Stetson Bennett is any good, right? Like, it's just the way I hear him He's talked about He's at the Manning
0: it, uh, camp this week, though. He got the invite to the Manning camp. He did get the
1: invite, for sure. So maybe maybe that's a little bit of respect there. But that was the other thing about A.J. Harris mm. is um, when when he committed, he said his top four targets uh, to get on George's roster, along with Arch Manning, were Jonel Aguero, Caleb Downs, and Justice Haynes—that's two two five-star safeties and a, a borderline five-star running back—and I think most people think George has got the inside track with Justice Haynes to begin. Buford with. Buford kid, but, right? Yeah, he was he was blessed Trinity, but yeah, he'll be at Buford his senior year.
0: Oh, but, he yeah. hit the portal for Buford. He was yeah, a blessed Trinity did. kid. I didn't know that. So, uh, well, yeah. they're a city school, so I think you're allowed to. I think they have different rules for being a city school, where you can. Just yeah, you then. can
1: you can pay tuition and yeah go, and go to. Uh, buford or i don't know if you can be on scholarship or something maybe they can do something like that or mm-hmm. I, I don't really know how that, that well, you gotta get ready you works. gotta
0: get on that with any future mac greens out there are they gonna be a tequila falcon or are That's you sure i got some tuition? sources
1: at buford i should i uh, <laughs> should ask around um see see what's what what the policy is but yeah i mean
0: well i think they just built a whole new school didn't they like didn't they tear down they, the school? basically and... yeah, it's yeah. Like
1: down the street it's it's insane
0: yeah, looks like a college campus. I remember driving by Lanier once uh, a couple years ago, just seeing them. I was like, "That's not Buford High School. That's preposterous." Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to them, uh, Buford Wolves. Um, what's the biggest position battle still left on this Georgia roster going into this fall that you're most interested in?
1: Oh man, the biggest position battle. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a battle. Uh, but I'm just curious to see how how the the receivers shake out. Like mm. just like who's getting the the most first team reps? Because I think when Jermaine Burton was healthy, like he was definitely the best receiver on Georgia. Obviously next to George Pickens, but he wasn't really healthy the whole season. But 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 uh, Burton was was kind of dinged up for for most of the year, just different injuries here and there. So like McConkie and. Ad Mitchell are definitely the guys that have the most experience coming back, but you also have Kyrus Jackson in there who who also came into the season with an injury, and then Eric Gilbert is just this ultimate wild card, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, who knows how you're going to where you're going to line him up as your tight end and wide receiver and just see how George uses these tight ends. I think that's that's going to be. Gilbert's the wild card.
0: Like he could be the leading target getter and he could also just never play. Like I have n- like what do you <laughs> He's like a p- potential first round pick Kyle Pitts type or we just never see from him he's a great what if. Like I have no, no idea what to def- do with that.
1: That's definitely true and it's I'm I'm hesitant to put too much stock in in him after uh you know just not really being with the team all year last year but Yeah you know, now seeing him in spring, it's it's impossible to, to see this guy in uniform and not get excited about him. Just the way he looks in the uniform. He's just, he's a beast. He's, I think they said he got up to like 300 or so when he was like out of shape and, and not in a good place. But I think he's like 6'5", maybe 275 right now. And he just hmm. looks like an absolute freak. And maybe, maybe it'd be 260, 250 by the time he's, he's playing in a more football shape. But yeah, I mean, and to go with Brock Bowers, it's like, it's almost like Brock Bowers is such a known commodity, no one even talks about him anymore. It's oh, here like, we go! You get excited about the new shiny. Mm-hmm. No, I just mean in Georgia fans, it's like you get mm-hmm. excited about the new toys and. Oh, we got Oscar well, Delp in the building well, now well, well, too. Yeah, exactly. What will Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh do? And and. Brock Bowers, this guy is just a a finished product like right now. So I mean who who knows? He could get better, but I'm not sure how he could get much better from what he did as a true freshman.
0: How is Kendall Milton not a ball yet? Like that guy uh, in the Tian Evans role up here on Rocky Top get some consistent carries. Him and it's just about staying healthy. I mean, I think
1: he was gonna get more carries, I think, last year, but he just he can't stay on the field and you gotta the best ability is availability. I think Kenny McIntosh. I think some people are sleeping on Kenny McIntosh. He's, uh, he's a, he's a good player
0: and he'll get a lot of those James Cook snaps and like the stuff, the swing passes out of the backfield. I think it'll be, he'll be pretty good. Deandre Swift, that kind of guy. Yeah. The uh, James
1: Cook, that's going to be the most difficult guy to replace for sure. Hmm. Cause Zamir White, he was good, but I think Georgia, like Kendall Milton, if he, if he's healthy and everything, he should be a better player than Samir White. But James Cook is just that X factor. Get a linebacker on him and just, run a go route like you just can't really you can't really do that with many running backs
0: that's true um the Buckeyes Brian Hartline uh needs to be put in jail uh (laughs) this man I mean there's just nobody like him and what Ohio State's doing like I don't know how you compete against Ohio State like it was cool for a while that carnell tate and it's flipped that it was like carnell tate five-star kid out of img and originally from chicago who grew up wanting to be a buckeye always wanted to be a buckeye um ended up becoming uh committing to the buckeyes this past week um not tennessee but you know i just any kid who's just not if you're a five-star and you're gonna play like this is where you go like they are one thousand percent wide receiver you brian hartline has built an absolute machine there and I just I don't know how you compete against that. It's like, it was almost one of the things where it's like, hey, well, be damned if you do, damned if you don't, where it's like, you still got to get in the game and it looks good for other recruits that you were that close and you're right there, but like, do you feel, oh, we should have given Kevin Casper more attention because Carnell was always going to be a stretch because he's from Chicago. It's easier for his family to get to Ohio State. And it's just competing against Ohio State in the grand scheme of things, um, it's just really, really difficult uh, when it comes to this sort of thing and this man with this class like he's put together a lot of five stars uh the latest who folks uh, saw a lot of down the stretch this past year Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba like he's an absolute superstar he'll be a first rounder next year you got Jameson Williams in there you had Garrett Wilson Chris Olave but now you get Brandon Ennis five star kid Carnell Tate five star kid and Noah Rogers like I just, <laughs> there is so much talent. They have another five star already in the building, and Emeka, Eguka. Like, you go through the wide receiver room, Matt, and Columbus, and it's just, it's insanity. Like, so for the folks who talk down, like, the SEC people really don't like Ohio State. And I'm just like, it speaks for themselves. Like, they are a machine. They would run roughshod over the majority of SEC teams, and whether they look at the they look at the Ohio State playoff rankings against the SEC. Because I think somebody put that up the other day um, that I saw. I think it was Chris Marler of uh, Saturday Down South about uh, teams in uh, the Big Ten's record against the SEC and maybe bowl games slash um, playoff games or national title games, something like that. But uh, Ohio State's records obviously like I think they're like three and seven or something like that. But ultimately. The broader point is that Ohio State has a death star and this offense is just going to be absolutely disgusting this year. Like anyone who's taking the under on wins for Ohio State this year, uh, you're just throwing money away. This offense, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's it's kind of like what Georgia's done with defense where they just have weapons and five stars and four stars everywhere under center at running back on the offensive line at wide out it doesn't matter they have blue chippers all across the board and it's just this latest haul for heartline and ohio state is just insane
1: oh it definitely is i mean it's number one ranked or number three ranked receiver in the country on on monday number one ranked receiver on (laughs) on wednesday and the number nine ranked receiver on wednesday as well like it's just absurd what ohio state does but they've always done this right so like, like i think that's where the hate of ohio state comes from is that they are that clear blue chip talented team that just reloads year after year but they just inexplicably just have one of those games it feels like every year where they get blasted by purdue they get blasted by iowa they they, they can't stop oregon on the ground right oregon was more respectable than those other two teams but those specific seasons but it's just like Ohio State just has those games where it's just they don't they just don't seem to show up like they always have the talent. And that's why it's like if the Big Ten gets rid of divisions and it's just the two best teams, Ohio State might get a blemish somewhere in the season. But if they're in the Big Ten Championship, like when all the all the marbles are on the line, you know, like they're the best team and they and they, they win. It seems like at the end of every season, like that year, a couple of years ago with Harbaugh, like Michigan was was, what, top two or top three going into that game with Ohio mm-hmm. State, and they just beat the brakes off of them. Like, everything was on the line. Ohio State just blasted them. So, yeah, I don't know why you would go – I don't know why you'd go anywhere else other than Ohio State or or maybe Alabama if you're, if you're a five-star wide receiver. It's just – it's absurd what they do every year. I mean, it's – heartline – like, when is this guy going to be a head coach, right? Like, offensive coordinator or something. Like, obviously, he's an Ohio State guy, but – You got to think at some point he's going to move on to something else.
0: I don't know. Del McGee still happy doing the running backs coach thing. Like Rodney Garner has been a defensive line coach forever. Some guys just like Del
1: McGee seems like one of those guys. It's, it's only a matter of time. Like he Mm. might maybe keep changing his title and he's, associate offensive coordinator or something running game coordinator or something, give him a little more money. And, and who knows, maybe that, that keeps you happy. But, um,
0: Willie Martinez, he's chilling as a defensive backs coach here, man. Yeah, I don't
1: think, I don't think it was, was a knock on his door for head coach. But I think jobs. a
0: lot of guys like I understand it's so a lot less stress. You get to coach one position group and you just focus there. I, I feel like your life balance is probably a lot better there. I don't know, man. I, I understand it. I understand why a lot of folks might want to stay in that position type deal. Like if you're a quarterbacks coach, you're like, I just want to work with quarterbacks. Like that's my jam. No, that's I don't know. Re- yeah. Um,
1: what, um, gun to your head, mm. which of those are, cause it, I'm just looking at this. It's insane for a, a school to have two first round picks at wide receiver. And neither mm. of them led the team and receive it. That's just, <laughs> that's absurd. So gun to your head, Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. And let's throw in Jameson Williams at, as well who's the mm. best nfl player
0: i'm going to say olave in mm. new orleans
1: i think um, i lean I, I lean towards jameson williams but uh, as far as the ohio state guys go i think garrett yeah. wilson is going to be the best of the ohio state guys he just seems Name like the last that, that good elite...
0: jet re- elite receiver uh, since Keyshawn.
1: ah <laughs> um wayne kribet
0: yeah there you go Um
1: <laughs> uh, was did braylon santana edwards moss. Did braylon, edwards, Ed, braylon some, edwards was pretty some, good there some years of the Jets. santana yeah. moss is a good call brandon That's marshall about, i don't know where but, but none of those santana, guys were
0: developed yeah
1: santana moss's best years were probably uh washington i would guess he was right? there, but there he for he probably had though. a pro bowl Probably had some Pro Bowl years, but that, that's a good call. Lavernius Coles.
0: Lavernius Cole was a good one. That is a name I have not heard in a long <laughs> time. Oh my God, Lavernius Coles. Ooh, that's a name. Deep um, track. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's one of those things where it's a situation where it's like uh New Orleans Saints receivers do pretty well, and uh Alave is going to get a lot of targets, especially if Michael New Thomas is
1: Usually have Drew breeze throwing to him.
0: That's true. Jameis wasn't only, bad, though.
1: That's the only thing. We'll, we'll see. And Sean Payton, no Sean yeah. Payton, no Drew Brees. Things are a little different.
0: Hey, I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on it, but I don't love Jared Goff throwing at Jameson Williams out out of the gate. Jameis and... Williams
1: in Detroit, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, just... Who knows? Maybe Smith and Jigba can can go to a good situation next year.
0: Let us hope. Um, speaking of good situations, Louisville, Louisville. The Cardinals. They get the number two running back class in the class of 2023. Ruben Owens, the second, commits to Louisville. Scott Satterfield suddenly has a top ten recruiting class for the 2023 cycle. He's got a lot of names. Like Louisville, they're stepping up. Like the NIL stuff's stepping up a little bit. And... Yeah, man,
1: they got they got jets and sports cars yeah. and stuff at Louisville. That's that's what got him
0: i i don't think we can say that uh we can't say <laughs> yeah. anything of that strike that from the record we don't know any of that no. uh all allegedly but I, I
1: saw the i saw it on the internet
0: you talked about the video of him in the car no they were
1: it was like some um what's it called like a airplane hangar thing oh yeah um, i know what you're talking about although they're the, they like touring private jets and stuff with mm. a bunch of uh, recruits that's all i saw i don't even the know the normal Roman college experience there, folks no.
0: <laughs> People forget yeah. that the uh, Power 5 uh, college experience is just like you and me. Uh, it's it's the same true. thing.
1: We all have the same college experience. Um, but hey, this got me thinking. Ruben mm. Owens going to Louisville. Kind of shocking people getting a five-star running back like this. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't really find many other like big-time college programs that are in, like, like quote-unquote major city. Like Louisville is, what, like a top, I think top 30- well, I had the I had populations pulled up over here. 29th biggest city in the country mm. without any professional sports teams really anywhere reasonably close. Like, Cincinnati is a few hours away. I maybe mean, is a few hours away. But, like, Louisville is a pretty big city, mm. and to not have a, a pro sports team really taking anybody's attention away, like, I wonder if we could see, you know, maybe them make some noise in the NIL game just because... They got a pretty big population. Like, there's not really other many other cities that kind of have that sort of situation going on. Like I, like, I was trying to find a few. Like, Fresno State or something was, like, one that I found. Like, it's not really anywhere near San Jose or San Francisco or, or L.A. It's kind of off in its own area. And it's like, if you're a, a major city with some big donors, I don't know that Fresno State has huge donors. They're in Silicon Valley. I think they might have something going on. But, um...
0: Are they Silicon Valley? I thought Fresno was in the country.
1: No, it's right there, like central. I mean, that's what the valley on the helmet is for, right? Or is that, am I confusing that? Does it stand for something else?
0: Well, I mean, it's the San Joaquin Valley. Oh, it's Uh, the
1: San Joaquin Valley. So that's not the same as the Silicon Valley. No. So so
0: I think they're more in the country. I could be wrong. Fresno is is Spanish for ash tree. For what? (laughs) Ash tree. Ash tree
1: interesting but it's a 30 it's yeah. the 35 35th biggest city in the country mm. and it's not la it's not san francisco like there's people out there right yeah. and fresno's always had a solid program like i don't know we could it's someone like maybe U, ut san antonio mm. they didn't even exist like 10 years ago and now they're they are they're on their third conference now in like ten years. So or they mm. will be in twenty twenty three. Obviously they got the Spurs in San Antonio,
0: but Well Mizzou is one where it's like the St. Louis Rams left. So it's like if you want high profile football in the state of Missouri outside of Kansas City, like that's that's one right there I feel like you could do. Um That's true. I know I Iowa, mean, you're talking Yeah.
1: If they have other pro sports teams, maybe yeah, if you are talking that just don't have NFL, like yeah, I mean like some like Utah, you know, I mean you got you got the Jazz out there, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know maybe maybe you need a football fix. Maybe BYU and uh, and Utah could get in on some NIL, really really reap it in. I don't know, just just a thought because Louisville just seems like a really unique city in that way. Uh,
0: Mac Reed. Speaking of things you never know, party crashers, a friend of the pod of on three now, uh, JD Pekel. He ranked his top three college football playoff party crashers. And I want to get your perspective of the three that he named. He put Utah. He put Oklahoma and he put Baylor in that three. Who do you think of that group is most likely to make the playoff?
1: I had a problem with this list. Uh Oh, what if we had like five teams, maybe, maybe six that have made multiple playoffs Hmm. And Oklahoma' one of them they've made four playoff appearances how are they a party crasher they're they're closer to the same old same old Well, I think a it's just like party crasher, crasher
0: in terms of like they no one sees them doing that this year
1: no that's fair I um I like Baylor like I feel like people are kind of sleeping on Baylor like Utah has a I think a an easier run and it's it's almost like how Cincinnati did it it's like it's it's a it's a couple-year process. Not that They're mm. not in a group of five. They're in the Pac-12, but, I mean, the Pac-12 might as well have been the group of five, how, they have been, how they've been the last few years. So I feel like Utah is finally on the national radar, and now, like, Florida's not a good team, right? Like, Florida shouldn't be a good team in 2021, but going into the swamp and beating Florida, it doesn't really matter how good they are. Like, that would be just like a milestone victory for Utah. Like, it's one thing to beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl when they're coming off an SEC championship loss. You can question the motivation or, or whatever. It's a big win, but there's kind of a an asterisk next to it, you know. If Utah opens the season in the Swamp with a win, like, that's just immediate, like, they're on everybody's radar. Like, they'll be a top-10 team. I think by week two, if they're if they're not already, I mean they could. I be, mean, if they beat or,
0: Florida in the swamp. They're top five border. They're a top five, top seven. But border just beating team.
1: Florida, I mean, it's not that's not necessarily a great team. You're not going to. They're going to be. Well, on I the mean, radar. Vegas
0: likes them as the like a Pac-12 champ. Like it's what kind of like they, the Oregon thing from last year.
1: Where are people having them in the preseason rankings right now? Are they in the top ten? Are they? I'm thinking they're more like a twelve, maybe top fifteen type of team.
0: Well, I see number eight and uh, SI.
1: Okay, so I mean, it, they're getting SI. There you go. That's 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 all we need to see. Mm. But no, but so Utah is definitely a candidate. I think for this year, I think Utah's probably got the. I would probably have to go Utah. I said Sporting Baylor News at first. News has got him
0: at eight two. I don't know. A lot of top ten buzz everywhere.
1: I would. I feel like they're a safer play than Baylor, just because I don't know what's going to happen in the Big Twelve. I think the Big mm. Twelve. We could see two like two lost teams in the big 12 championship or something, because I just think Oklahoma, Oklahoma state Baylor and Texas. I think all four of those teams are just going to be like basically on the same level. And, and I, am I leaving someone out? Is there some, like is Iowa state going to make any noise? Like is Texas well, tech? It's Kansas make state.
0: Any noise? Oh, Kansas we'll get state? to Kansas state. Kansas state's right there. So it's...
1: yeah, I mean, that's just an, another one. So I think mm. like the big 12 just seems more unpredictable with Utah. It's like, can you beat USC? Okay, mm. then you can you can win this conference. Like I, I mean, obviously Oregon's right there, but after last year, I don't think they have to get over any kind of Oregon hump. Like mm. they 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 kind of own Oregon right now. So and they're on a first year head coach. I don't really know what to expect at Oregon in year one of Dan Lanning. So if I'm given any of these, if I'm picking any of these. I'm going Utah mainly because Oklahoma. Like I I, I I reject the premise. It's like they're not, they can't be a, a party crasher. Like, I almost laughed at seeing that opening sentence, seeing Georgia in there with like, oh, you know, the same old, the same old candidates like Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama. It's like, it's it's funny how one national championship put Georgia in the same old, same old conversation. Like, it's only their second playoff appearance, right? Like, Ohio, o- Oklahoma's been there four times at this point. So, hmm. I don't think anyone should be surprised to see Oklahoma coming out of the Big 12, even though even though we might not be predicting it.
0: I think you should be surprised in year one with Venables. I think that would be a surprise, where it's like, if you're another Big 12 team, you're just kicking yourself, especially if you're getting uh, three more seasons of Oklahoma in the Big 12, if they're there 2022, 20, 23, 24. Like, this is it. Like This is your shot. For a team that has dominated this conference for almost all the 21st century, this is the most vulnerable they've been in a while. So I think this is... Like, Oklahoma, if they were able to kind of weather the storm and the transition from uh, Lincoln to Venables, and Lebby and uh, Dylan Gabriel are able to do enough, especially because, I mean, you just lost so much firepower on offense. Like, so many dudes are just out the building that, like, I think if they were able to still win 11 games with this group because that's what it would require like an 11-1 type year and then winning the big 12 title game that's pretty wild that's party crashing i think for me where i'm like oh brent venables is just gonna be a-, a rock star right away like that's it's pretty rare like kirby comes in he's eight and 5 year one like a lot of these guys that would be a surprise
1: no, that's fair, and I'm I'm not expecting them to do that this year. So if they are in the playoff this year, I think it, it will be a surprise because of Venables, and we just mm-hmm. don't know what to expect year one. But just a team making their fifth playoff appearance, and we've had, like, what? It'll be, like, the eighth, ninth playoff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, yeah, Oklahoma, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever. Like, I think Baylor getting in the—regardless if they're coming off a Big 12 championship— I think more people would be surprised by Baylor getting to the playoff than they would Oklahoma because, I mean, you saw the betting odds, right? Like, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas hasn't – they haven't been anything consistent. They did go to the Big 12 Championship a couple years ago, so I, I started to say they haven't been anywhere close to the Big 12 Championship. But that
0: was with a veteran, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, exactly. It's like we so, don't even know who's center. center it's it, like a, God, it's Quinn Ewers, like, as a freshman. I don't know, a redshirt freshman, whatever. Like, I –
1: and that team was still like a four loss team or something like 10 and four or something like that. So it's just the brand, right? It's just Texas. More people are gambling on Oklahoma and Texas to win the big 12 because it's just who they are. So I think, I think more people would be surprised by, by Baylor, um, by Baylor winning it. And I think that's a legitimate possibility for sure. I, how does Hmm. it work? Is it like a professional wrestling thing? Like if, if Oklahoma and Texas, Win the Big Twelve their last year in it. Are they like the Big Twelve champion forever? Ooh, do they keep the belt like forever? Is that there's no more Big Twelve? They have to rename the conference because there's no Big Twelve after that.
0: I don't know. That's these. I don't, these are the questions we need mm-hmm. answered. I don't think the Big Twelve is going to work with them on that. Something tells me that uh, that ending is not what anyone wants um, in the Big Twelve offices.
1: No, that um, is not what they want. I. We need to keep an eye on that. 20 You're saying 2024 is the last year they're supposed to be in there, right? Yes. We need to keep an eye on, on the officiating in the Big 12 <laughs> in 2024. See if there's some suspect calls going against Texas and Oklahoma that year.
0: I don't think you need suspect calls to get the horns at 6 and 6. I don't think that's <laughs> like Oklahoma different breed, but like I told you, man, when that group when those four teams come in next year and Texas is still in this conference, I I just, you talk about no momentum going into another conference with better competition, like.
1: <laughs> I was about to say you said six and six twenty twenty four like they're going to be on a new head coach coming in the SEC if they're six and six in twenty twenty four. I
0: think they'll be on a new head coach either way. Um, I think Venables is just beefing oh. this up. I, I don't think Sarkeesian is going to last. I mean, just because Venables is, is good,
1: that doesn't mean they can't both. They can't have a nice rivalry atop the Big Twelve of winning 10 and 11 games every year.
0: I don't think the prophecy allows them both to win 10 or 12 (laughs) games at the same time.
1: They can't can't coexist?
0: I don't think so. It's kind of like the Florida schools where it's like somebody has to be down for the other ones to be up. Like Miami's rising from the ashes means that Florida State and uh, Florida are kind of kept at the knees there a little bit.
1: It does kind of feel that way. I think you have to go back to what, like 01, 2000, Mm. 2001 or so when they were all like good top 10 programs
0: and they just can't get out. Cause like Clemson, Bama and Ohio state are in Florida. It's like, good luck. Like they're all yeah. firmly in there. If you look at the top 100 recruits right now, Georgia's and like where the from... guys out of Florida and Georgia well. too. Yeah. Like they're just, that didn't used to happen. That was not what was happening in the nineties and the two thousands. And unless they flip that surprisingly in years to come, I just, I don't see.
1: And the A&M's getting guys from everywhere too. So yeah. like James well, Coley's I'm... always recruited that South Florida area. So
0: James Coley, Steve Adazio's on that roster, coaching staff. Like, what a what a staff! Um, a lot of guys on that a staff that we know. Uh, Who's
1: the next Florida school to win a uh, to win a conference championship? <sighs> mm. I stumped you on this one.
0: I'm still going to say Florida until Miami proves it.
1: Oh, okay. I'm leaning towards definitely one of the ACC schools before Florida.
0: Florida State's just the money's not there. I was I going
1: to go Miami.
0: I mean, Miami's no logical still one. Like, I just... I'm skeptical of how long it keeps going. And, like, just win. Like, just get in there once. They have been in the ACC title game exactly zero times since joining this conference. Like, I just... I want to see it. Like, I'm pretty high on where Miami's going. Crystal Ball's assembled a super staff, pulled your DB coach. Tyler Van Dyke looks like the guy. Bring in Jake Garcia, our favorite from Titletown High. Um, maybe he'll be under center next year, but I don't know, man. I just... We'll see. Like, Florida's proven it. Like, they were the maybe the second best team, best team in the SEC two years ago. Um, the talent's there. I Napier's staff's pretty strong. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. I think... I would have to say Florida still until further notice. Okay. Pains me to say it, but that's that's just how I got to be honest. I got to, I got to be honest in this podcast, Matt. Um, Leading story for tonight that I want to hit you with. So a friend of the pod, Andy Staples of The Athletic. He uh, did a mailback a few days back on uh, some listener uh, mailback stuff. And a listener asked him like who this year's 2007 south florida team of b so then i was like why would that's really specific i'm like is this a matt Grothy year so i went back through and i uh looked at it is right yeah i think so the visor cool player really cool player not colt (laughs) brennan type but he was up there in terms of cool college quarterbacks is is
1: your only criteria for cool college quarterback that they wear a visor
0: visor is critical that's (laughs) step one like i don't think you can be cool without a visor i think that is part of the deal um i mean the
1: helmet here i had i had to throw the visor on the helmet here
0: Visors are just cool, man. Like visors, like even when I played football, that's all I want. Visor. Like who needs practice? And I've learn? tried to
1: explain this to Tori how cool the visor is. I just, I feel like there's a disconnect somewhere. She just doesn't
0: get it. She does not get it. Well, hey man, um, there's still time. There's still time. But um, <laughs> South Florida, that 2017, got to number two in the country, and then obviously the rest of the season did not end well for them. Got harder, and they were not able to keep that momentum. Um, that they had early on. So my question to you, Matt Green, who is your most likely team to be the 2007 South Florida where they start off super hot, get rise to that top five ranking, and then the rest of the schedule is just waiting and it's not going to be kind, and then they completely get steamrolled and have a completely different scenario down the stretch. Who, Who jumps out to you?
1: Um... I was going back and forth with a couple teams here. I think i got to go with Virginia. Mm. So, looking at Virginia's schedule, they open with Richmond. They go on the road at Illinois, which, you know, year two of uh, Brett Bielema. You know, they could be an improved team. Mm. Uh, But then you got Old Dominion, who has definitely come in and beaten some ACC teams before. Uh, But then Syracuse, at Duke, Louisville at Georgia Tech, like, what is that? That's one, two, three, four, that's seven games right there. Like, this team could easily be 7-0. and With Brendan mm-hmm. Armstrong at quarterback, like, that's a pretty weak schedule. And then after that, you got Miami at home, North Carolina at home, Pitt at home, Coastal Carolina at mm-hmm. home as well, Virginia Tech. Like, I don't necessarily know that they're going to fall off a cliff, honestly, the second half, but that's definitely where the season gets tougher. So, Virginia just might be a sleeper in general, but I think those first, they could be six and oh seven and oh, and, and really be just completely untested. Mm. So I think they're definitely a candidate for this.
0: I mean, they might have the best quarterback in the conference this year. People are sleeping on, like we love Devin Lear on this show. We love Van Dyke. Brendan Armstrong's the one who's actually put up the bonkers numbers as a Southpaw. And we love left-handed quarterbacks in this podcast as well as a lefty, but, um, Tony Elliott year one under the radar and no expectations after a sudden retirement from Rocco Mendenhall. Like, I don't know, man, he's been waiting his time for a long time. He knows the E C C. been a long time coach, like just Virginia starting off super hot and finishing like six and six, seven and five would not surprise me, but they could, they're going to rise. I think like you laid out. I think that schedule sets up pretty nice for Tony Elliott and company in year one. That's the kind of schedule you want when you get started with a new program. Yeah, the
1: Illinois and Syracuse; those are both mm. on the road early on, but
0: both very don't notable. adjust
1: don't adjust your televisions when you're watching when you're watching that Syracuse <laughs> game on September 23. Don't say, mm. "Didn't I just watch this game two <laughs> weeks ago?" No, Illinois and Syracuse are not the same team, even though they look like the exact same team these days. Is not it still en- called not enough white in Illinois' uh, uniform? That's the problem. That's well, why they used it, to. Yeah, when they, that's when the they y- look like Syracuse now to me.
0: Yeah, because they had like the white text font for Illinois down the side with the orange oh, helmet. The white face mask. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot better. I agree with you. The Mendenhall Juice Williams era. Yeah, that was better. Yeah, those
1: are big time uniforms. Kurt I Kittner. Those. Kurt Kittner <laughs> for sure. Uh, the Aurelius Ben was part of the yeah. uh, the the Juice Williams era. There was another. Re- there was a big time receiver on that. Uh, oh man, on that Kurt Kittner team. The team went to the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Oh man, I feel like they had a receiver that went first trip no never mind I started to say David Torelli was Michigan played for the Bears Mm -hmm. but no I'll have to come up with that they had they had a receiver I'm forgetting it right now
0: I don't remember off the top of my head um but Matt Green my pick for this one hit me I think I could not I keep going back and forth so I'm kind of cheating but it's Michigan State and Kansas State and tell me which one you think is more likely to get to number two or like in the in the polls before things go go sour, for Michigan State they have a chance to be five and zero against the Buckeyes, um, and then they get Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan all back to back to back. So they're re- I think they're a really good candidate for this, where people love Mel Tucker. He's got this thing humming. You um you have a lot of moment- momentum there, but. I think they're not going to get tested and then they just get this unfortunate whirlwind where they get three of the best teams in the conference all within three weeks of each other. That's, that's a problem. So I think they are a really good candidate where they open with Western Michigan and Akron, both at home, they go to UW um, for a road game, but they'll be favored there. They'll be favored against Minnesota at home. They'll be favored on the road at Maryland. Like, I think there's a very plausible scenario. They're five and zero going into the Buckeye game. And, I don't know, man. Like, they even end on the road in Happy Valley. Like, I think there's a very strong tale of two seasons uh, for Mel Tucker and company in East Lansing. So, they're one I have. But mm.
1: is this South Florida? Because if you look at South Florida, right, they Mm. were like 6-0 or something. They lost at Rutgers, which sounds Mm. terrible, but I think that was the Rutgers team with Ray Rice, right? That was really good. Um, Then lost at UConn, lost Cincinnati, lost to Oregon in the in the Sun Bowl that year. Like, they weren't losing to good teams. Like, Michigan State feels more like a 2021 20, Arkansas. Hmm. That, like, I think they're a good team, and they could they could beat up on some of these teams early. But, I mean, just because you got to lose to Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan, like, they could still – and maybe even Penn State. Like, that's, that's brutal with Michigan and uh, Penn State both on the road. Like, they could still be a good team, but just a brutal schedule, and they lose three or four games.
0: That's fair. I mean, the answer for group of five schools, like in the South Florida vein, is Houston, where Houston will be favored in every game they play this fall, most likely. And that's something where, unless they have, like you said, where they lose to some bad group of five teams that they should not lose to, uh, along with, like, a Texas Tech or something, then... That's going to be kind of wild—a wow, great what-if season for them because it's all set up for Houston and Dana Holgerson's group to run the run the gauntlet in the AAC before they depart next year to uh, to the Big Twelve. But the other one is Kansas State, where I have I am drinking the Kansas State Kool Aid. I am in on two Midwest teams going in this year, two Midwestern teams, all in. I think Kansas State's one. And I think Nebraska's too. Like, those two, I think, are going to have much better seasons than people. Like, I am banking on it. Like, go ahead and bank on the Huskers and the Wildcats um, going into this year. Frost and climbing. I am a believer in where they're at. And it's funny because Adrian Martinez under center for the Wildcats this year coming over from Nebraska. Um, The Cats have South Dakota at home to open, Missouri at home to open, uh, Tulane at home. So three home games out of the gate. They'll be favored in all three. Should win all three, then they go to OU and you're like, oh, whoa, that. Defe-. No, I seem to recall a lot of success for the Wildcats <laughs> against yeah. uh, OU, especially an OU team that is going through a transition. Like they're as vulnerable as they've ever been. So going to Norman this year is a good year to go to Norman if you're the Cats. There's a chance that their favor or the lines like three and a half. Like I think that's going to be a very interesting game. If they get through that. They get Texas Tech at home, an Iowa State team on the road who's lost everybody, like all kinds of returning productions out the door to Iowa State, and then TCU, they'll be favored in that one, and then right there, they get Oklahoma State on the 29th. I think there's a scenario, Matt Green, where they're like 6-1, and 7-0, and potentially, um, if things go really right, but... I think it's plausible. I think in uh, Oklahoma State, who we both think will be really good, that could be a Big 12 decider of who's in the title game is that weekend. And it's in Manhattan, the Little Apple. I don't know. I'm buying a lot of Kansas State stock. I think this opening portion of their schedule is great, and then the back end is just kind of brutal because they get uh, Oklahoma State, Texas, at Baylor, and at West Virginia all back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. That's That's rough.
1: Yeah, see, this would be a real rough one from – like your, uh, your formula you're putting in here. Mm-hmm. Because if they do start, say, with 7, maybe even 8 no, if you include the mm-hmm. TCU game, like your 8-0 with the Oklahoma game behind you, like you have to be just, you know, super confident about that. They're in the so
0: top end. five in the polls at that point.
1: Yeah, probably. So then you have Oklahoma State, Texas, at Baylor and at West Virginia down the stretch. I think that's a brutal four-week Period right there, and I don't think there's any way they come out better than two and two probably in that in, in that four game stretch. So if they're you know ten and two, eight and two, nine and two at that point, that's that's huge for Kansas State. But um, I think you're right. I think they could they could see a, a losing three of the three of the last four type thing um, after an early hot start. I also to throw one more team in there, a mm. team that also. Plays at Syracuse this year is the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah. Because they're one of those that have a an easier schedule from the, the Big Ten West, and they open with Penn State uh, on Thursday night, kind of how Minnesota had Ohio State last year. It's like, that's when that team is going to be the most vulnerable. Like, on the road, that Thursday night, just electric atmosphere, Gus Johnson and the gang <laughs> calling the game. So... If they can get past Penn State in the opener, like you got Indiana State at Syracuse, FAU at Minnesota, at Maryland, Nebraska, like this team could start six or six and seven or six or seven and zero. Oh, then they got to go at Wisconsin still and Iowa at home. So it gets a little more difficult after that. But Purdue, Purdue could definitely be a sleeper in the Big Ten in the Big Ten West.
0: I just you. <sighs> Putting that much faith in Aiden O'Connell in this group, I don't know, man. That's that's a lot for me. That's a bridge too far.
1: I think it's more just th- that that lack of schedule, though. Like after Penn State, but State's I don't think big... they
0: I don't think it's a big like slam dunk there. I think I see a couple losses. I don't think it's set up that great. Like I don't, like Maryland with Baby Tua in the towel they got over there. <laughs> sure. I are mean sure? at
1: Minnesota, I'm not super confident Yeah. at Minnesota and at Maryland, but I mean that's those are the fifth and sixth games. So mm. the Penn State, they could at least they could get out to a four and O start. But um Purdue was sixtieth in some,
0: offensive efficiency last year.
1: There's definitely some toss ups in there for sure. And those are two tough road games, but um
0: The number five in passing offense. That's kinda wild. Just
1: keep an eye out on the boilermakers. That's all I'll say. Oh, also mm. I knew that Illinois team, oh one Sugar Bowl. I knew they had a good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Lloyd was the receiver Bell, that? receiver. Oh, yes. I knew there was, knew there was somebody. So. Number
0: 85.
1: At at Illinois, was he number 85? Or are you just talking in the NFL?
0: Well, I know in the NFL with the Patriots, he was 85. What was he in college?
1: Uh, He was number six in college. Was he really? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I just yeah. looked it up. Okay, Fourth yeah. round pick. But Niners yeah, Brandon Lloyd, always good for a, a highlight real catch. I like mean, he wasn't necessarily like a, a star wide receiver, but yeah. he made... He had a few insane catches over the course of his career.
0: Also, those uniforms are perfect. I'm looking at these vintage ones, the BCS uh, logo on the side and everything. These were the creme de la creme. Bring these back. And I love that font. Like, that's See, what we you need like to be the,
1: doing. You like, like, the old school Giants? Uh, yes. Then, so you like those? Yeah. I, I don't mind just the, the block eye on the on the helmet.
0: But mm. you gotta have
1: the white face mask. If they don't have the white face mask, I swear, that's what makes them look like Syracuse.
0: Mm-hmm. We should do that next week. Let's do our favorite um, and least favorite helmets next week. Let's do that.
1: These are classic, though.
0: I think they're pretty good. That's all I've got, Matt Green. Do you got anything else?
1: No, that's that's all, man.
0: There you go. Uh, 72 days. 70? That's kind of wild. It will be here before you know it. Uh, Follow you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. All that good stuff for all of Matt's great college football content. And, uh, yeah a lot of fun as we continue marching along all kinds of content. I think there'll be more recruits and more signings and all kinds of more hysteria over the next couple of weeks. So we have content all the time here on the chase and podcast and uh, the full ride and all of our college football stuff. So that's not going anywhere. Matt green, always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this edition, the Thursday, June 23rd, 2022 edition here on the Chasemos Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Just one part to today's episode of the podcast. Um, So, you know, just uh, after the three yesterday uh, that you can all check out over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or get your podcasts, all of our episodes, all in one place. As long as you're subscribed, you'll get access to all of my episodes and all that kind of stuff, all kinds of great content throughout the week, every single day on all sports national no one else is doing it and uh uh, you know just check it out you'll learn something every single day by listening to the chase most podcast because we have awesome guests like matt green who came on uh this edition of the pod to do the full ride um so appreciate matt as always for doing the the show so if you enjoyed today's episode and you're an apple podcast or spotify listener please do make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts or spotify if that is indeed how you listen to today's show, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash podcast, like and subscribe, all of our video content there. Then as always, you can email this very program at podcast at gmail.com, tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas, and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas all right new episode coming tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that yeah all kinds of great content coming the rest of this week so look out for that on the chase most podcast on the blue wire pod network go check out all the other great shows across blue wire insight chris van fleet Spencers, Haley o'shaughnessy and jordan liggins all kinds of great shows all across our network so go check that out today bluewirepods.com all right uncle derek how'd i do